Welcome to another week of the Uproar Podcast, where we believe that the power of God is still moving and changing a generation. Man, that was such a powerful video, and honestly, we believe in freedom. We believe that everyone has freedom in the name of Jesus. That's one of our three goals here. One of our, our, our biggest goal is salvation. We want to see this generation come to know Jesus. Next, we want to see you live in the freedom that Jesus paid for on the cross. And third, we want to see you bring that message home with you, with, to your friends, to your circle of influence, to the people that you know. And honestly, that's the goal. There's 42 million people right now in the United States between the ages of 12 and 19. And we're hitting young adults as well. So there's even more. But 42 million people that need to hear the gospel, need to have freedom, and need the boldness to bring it home. And that's what it means to live as a lion. That was one of our conference uh, themes a couple years ago. But honestly, that's the goal. And that's what we believe Jesus wants to do and what he's called us to live like. Today, we're going to get right into a topic that is absolutely amazing. Thank you for joining us, though. If you could share this video, we'd love it. We'd appreciate it. Let your friends know, because this is a topic that most people don't talk about, but is absolutely rampant. And in a lot of people's lives, and it can go unnoticed oftentimes. Today, we're going to talk to you about the topic of idolatry, or what is in the way between you and what Jesus has called you to do. I love Exodus chapter 20 with the Ten Commandments. In verse 3, Jesus, or God, said it like this through Moses. He said, you shall have no other gods before me. And that's just a response from love right there. You shall have no other gods before me. And we do that because we love him. Can I a- amen right where you're at? But that's the truth. And there's nothing that we should ever place above God, above his word, above his direction by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing, no one, that should ever take the place of who he is and what he's called us to do in this life. Yeah, and I don't believe that it's something that often, you know, the age group of people that we work with, I don't believe that people, like, deliberately will say, well, I'm, I, I choose to love my phone more no, than God, or God I choose no. to love partying more than God, or whatever it is. But just like you said, it so easily goes unnoticed because, you know, you'll get up and you'll get in a routine of reading your Bible in the morning and, you know, then something will happen one morning. Maybe you'll stay at a friend's house or you'll have an event going on in the morning so you miss it that morning. And once you miss it once, you know, it's easier every morning. Like, well, you know, I missed yesterday morning and then this morning there's something that came up too. So I'm not going to spend time in the Word today, but tonight I'll definitely spend time in the Word. And then you get home and you're tired. You had a long day, so it's like, well, I'm going to go to bed early so I can get up tomorrow. And it creates this cycle where you end up just completely allowing God to be shut off in your life. And it creates idols every time. It creates idols because you wind up having that extra time that you normally spent with God, and you fill it with something else, whether it's yeah, a, you know binge-watching TV or, or watching Netflix or being on your cell phone, even just hanging out with your friends. You can place your friends as an idol in your life above God. What the Bible lays out as an idol is anything that you devote more attention and love to than God. It's true, and I I think you hit it right on the head. It's not an intention most of the time. People don't run around, well, I'm going to serve Facebook and my phone and social media. You don't see people doing that. You also don't hear them talking like that often. But it's easy to slip into having our priorities mixed up. And I love Genesis chapter 22. I love the obedience of Abraham. Now, Abraham was born a son. His name was Isaac. And it's powerful because God was testing him. And this is starting in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 22. God was testing him. It said sometime later, God tested Abraham. 
He said to him, Abraham, and he responded, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Now, I don't know about you. You might not have kids right now, but that's a really big ask from God. That's not like a small thing like, oh, will you give me your son? Sure, yeah, I'll give you five bucks. No, that is a gigantic thing to ask somebody for. And it's, I love his response. But really what we're seeing is God wants to know that what he's placed in our hearts hasn't taken, what he's placed in our hands hasn't taken control of our heart. He's the only one that, that belongs at the center of our heart. He's the one that belongs there because he's bought that place. Oftentimes, I'll find he'll test us to make sure what he's placed in our hand hasn't taken his place in our heart. That he, we will be obedient to what he's trusted us with. Because honestly, everything in this world, when it comes to what he has for us, is in his command. I don't care what it is. Everything we've been trusted with is still under what he wants us to do with it. And that's what he was doing with Abraham. He was saying, will you still love me? Will you still trust me? Will you still be obedient to me above all else, even with something this big? Mm -hmm. It's powerful. Yeah, and it's crazy to see Abraham's response, too, because think about your attitude when you have to sacrifice something for God. I see people that will, you know, well, we can't come to church today because right. our son has a football game or he's yeah. not going to make it to youth group because he has a baseball game. They won't even sacrifice the one game that week. But Abraham's response was just, even if I sacrifice him, I know that God will resurrect him back yeah. to life. There wasn't an <laughs> argument of, faith. God, listen, I'll sacrifice anything you want, just not him. That's my only son. I'll sacrifice all the, uh, all the livestock that I have. Yeah. I'll sacrifice anything. He didn't have that. He got a command from God and he obeyed it immediately there was no time of you know I, I really don't want to do this or that's a big ass God I'm gonna have to pray for it you know and it's funny that you brought up too what he puts in our hands because how many times do we see I see people that will say you know I was believing God for this or I was believing especially in the financial aspect of it they'll say I was believing God for an increase in finances here but they really haven't done anything to prove themselves in the training ground of that and that's probably the biggest stumbling block that I see is that when God puts money in somebody's hands, that's where the real test is. Because if he gives you a little bit of, of money, it's so easy to put money in that spot where he used to be. It, you know, and it can be done with anything, but it's just most typically, you know, I see it with money. Where, you know, and that's what people always say, well, I was believing for money, and he didn't come through on it. But it's because he knows. You know, I love how Bishop Thomas says it. You know, he said that adding money to somebody only magnifies who they truly are. And I believe that that really transfers over to most realms, that when people expand too fast, it magnifies, you know, either their, their shortcomings or, you know, there's a training ground for everything. And I believe that if you don't excel in that, then when God ends up giving it to you, it becomes more of, you know, it's about the lights and the smoke, or it's about a show, and it, you lose focus on it being about him. Yeah, and on, uh, right, we have a couple points about what idolatry is and what it does. Number one, idolatry honestly is shown in the small things generally before the big things. Yeah. And think about it, like most people can't even put their cell phone down during worship. Yeah checking text messages halfway while we're worshiping God, while there's, there's people in heaven worshiping enamored with who he is. But we'll see it often in the small things of, oh, I won't even tithe. Look, if you can't even, even tithe, that's a small thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I won't even get off my phone. That's a small thing. It, it, we'll do, I see people do it with their time as well. Yeah. 
it shows in the small things far before it'll ever show in the big things. And you'll see it in the small things with your attitude towards it. If someone's preaching and they start talking about cell phone use or they start talking about friends or, or any of the other topics and you get an offense in your heart towards it, you're getting offended because they're coming at yeah. your God that you're currently serving. A great way to know if there's an idol in your heart is what, what is my attitude and response when someone brings it up and challenges me to give it to the Lord. We just taught this a couple months in youth group, and it's powerful. One girl locked her cell phone away for the weekend. She's like, I'm breaking up with my idol for the weekend so I can learn how to have some control of it. But really, idolatry, you'll see it in the small things, and you'll see it in your attitude towards the small things far before almost everything else. It, I just thought about a story that I heard this man of God say one time when he was preaching. He said that he had friends here. He's from the United States. He had friends that lived here, and they were like lifelong friends, and they moved out of the United States, and years later, he had gotten the opportunity to preach not at the church they were at, but near where they were out of the United States, and they showed up at the service, and it was like, you know, these were really close friends of his. So when service was over that night, they called them and they were like, hey, after you go back to your hotel room and get changed, let's go out and do something. We haven't seen you in a long time. So he had plans. He said, I'm, you know, when I get back, I'll change. We'll go out with them. He said, and as I was getting ready to leave my hotel room, the Lord said to me, you flew in yesterday. You went straight to bed. You woke up this morning and spent time with the pastor of the church that you spoke at. You preached tonight and you haven't spent any time with oh, me. Yeah. So he said, as much as I wanted to see these people, I knew that my true priority was the Lord. So I had to call him and say, listen, I apologize. I know it's been years, but there's something much more important I have to do. Right. And that's a level of sacrifice that we have to strive to get to, that there's going to be times where you have to say, I can't, I can't go out and hang out with you today. Or, you know, you have to put that phone down or you have to shut the TV off or shut the video games off. And it has to be something that you're not going to feel like you want to do it. Your, your flesh is never going to want to spend time with God. But you have to grab hold of yourself and take control of your flesh and say, I'm going to do this right now. Even though I don't want to ignore my friends or I don't want to shut the TV off, I'm going to do it right now because I know it's what I have to do to grow closer to him. Right, and, and a lot of people get idolatry messed up with religion. Yeah. Look, it's, we're not preaching religion. We're preaching keeping your relationship in line with the Lord. I, I promise you, if I had something in between me and my wife, I'm going to get beat up. Mm -hmm. and, and there's no difference between our relationship with the Lord. There should be nothing in the way. Look, idolatry number two is anything you refuse to give up to the Lord. Let me ask you this question right now, and you have to answer it in your own heart. Is that thing worth your eternity? Yeah. Seriously, ask yourself this right now. Whatever it is you're placing in your heart above God, is it worth your eternity separate from him? Mm -hmm. There's not one thing I can think of that's more important than spending an eternity with Christ. Mm -hmm. Not one thing on this whole earth will I ever place above the Lord. I love how Luke chapter 9, verse 25 says that Jesus was talking. He said, listen. If Jesus said, listen, I think it's a good idea to stop whatever it is and listen. What good does it do if you gain everything? If the whole world is in your pocket, but then your life slips through your fingers and it's lost. Yeah. Another version says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his soul? See, my question is really simple. Is that thing worth spending an eternity with Christ? Yeah. 
Eternity's not this like party in hell. I'm going to have beer with my friends and it'll be a party. No, that is not a party. It is an eternal damnation, a separation from Jesus. You'll never experience love again. No more compassion, no joy, no fulfillment. Every single one of those things is completely removed from that place. It's terrifying that people would give up an eternity in heaven for anything in this world. I love that example that you give about the owner's closet. And I thought that's right. where you were going to go with this. But maybe you've like rented a house before, done like an Airbnb or stayed at a beach house. And when you go, most of the time, there's a closet there where the, the person who actually owns the house, they either keep some of their personal belongings yep. or like the cleaning supplies for the house that they use when you leave. And that closet's locked away. You can go to the rest of the house, but that closet's locked away. You can't go there. And a lot of times, that's what we do with these things that we idolize. We'll say, God, I'm going to give you every part of my life. But... You, my cell phone is locked away. My cell phone's going in the owner's closet. You can't have it. You can't touch it. You can't move it down in its priority levels in my life because that's the one thing that I'm not willing to give up to get closer to you. And it's always that one thing that's going to stand, like you said, between you and God. If there was something between yeah. you and your wife or you and your parents, it has to be moved out of the way for a pure relationship to happen. True. You can't have something stuck in between you or your wife or you or your parents or you and your best friend and expect that relationship not to strain. And it's the same thing with your relationship with God. Whatever you hold in between you and him is going to be that last piece that you'll never get that full connection. Yep. You'll never get that full whole relationship to get everything that he has for you because you've got whatever it is you're holding on to stuck between you right and, and number three ready idolatry is anything we want more than christ mm -hmm. look and sometimes it's not a thing sometimes it's a body image yeah. sometimes it's more than a body image sometimes what i've seen some people idolize is what they want to be in 20 years but what they want to be is nothing like what christ has called them to be mm -hmm. you realize that's still an idol Maybe it's a someone. It's not a something. It's a someone. It's a person. Maybe in a relationship. Maybe it's someone you idolize who's not godly at all. I see, man, I see so many people following these idiotic rappers and stuff. There's no fruit in their life. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's crazy to me. I love, though, what, what, Matthew, what Jesus said in, in Matthew describing the kingdom of heaven. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in a field. A crafty man found the treasure, buried there, and he buried it again so no one would know where it was. Thrilled, he went off and sold everything and came back and bought the field with the hidden treasure part of the bargain. Look, that's what this looks like. That's what serving Christ looks like, is get, getting rid of everything so we can find that treasure in the field. I need, to, I need you to know that it's worth getting rid of everything, everything getting out of the way, everything being removed so we can have the treasure, and the treasure is that eternal life. The treasure is the relationship with Christ. The treasure is actually finding everything you were looking for in those idols fulfilled by Christ here on this earth. He continued, though. It wasn't just that. He gave another example. He said, or the kingdom of heaven is like a jeweler on the lookout for the finest pearls. Mm -hmm. When he found a pearl more beautiful and valuable than any jewel he had ever seen, the jeweler sold all he had and bought the pearl, his pearl of great price. See, what is it that you want more than Christ? What is it that you wouldn't give up if Christ asked for it? What is it that you'd never sell out of to get all that Jesus has yeah. for you? And whatever that might be is an idol that will honestly, at some point, it will be more than a roadblock. It will flatten the tires of your relationship. It will destroy that relationship because you can't serve two masters. Mm -hmm. You can't serve an idol here and God here. Eventually, one will take control. Yeah.
And if you're serving an idol, unfortunately, I've seen that take control more than the Lord until people figure it out. Yeah, and idolatry also sets us as the lid in our life. It's true. And I'll see a lot of people that'll turn away from God because they believe that, you know, everybody preaches that you were supposed to have more joy or more peace or, you know, more money or more happiness yep. or whatever it is. But when you set up an idol in your life, you're actually the lid that's blocking those things from coming into yeah. your life. How God wants to you? give you, he wants to give you peace that passes all understanding. He wants to make you the head and it's never true. the tail. He wants to give you pleasures forevermore. But when you set these things between you and him, you literally put a lid on your life that blocks the blessing from coming in. It blocks everything that God wants. Because the only way that you get all the benefits of God is if you have the full relationship with it's God. True. I don't get all the benefits in a friendship or all the benefits in the marriage with if I didn't get married with my wife, I don't have all the benefits of being married. If you don't have a pure relationship, it's going to limit you on the benefits that you're allowed to have. And all these things he has for every single believer, it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, what you've done in the, in the past, there's nothing that you've done previously that disqualifies you from having everything that God wants you to have. But what will disqualify you is if you're not willing to let it all go. Yeah. See, the biggest mistake that I, that I see people make in their life is they make a drastic life change. They'll come to the altar, they'll get saved, they make that massive turnaround, and then God starts pouring it out on their life heavy, like immediately. But what happens is, after it kind of plateaus, after they get saved and they've been saved for a few months, they'll let one thing from their old lifestyle slip back in, whether it's just cussing a little bit, or just smoking cigarettes, or they're just going to have you know one beer at night when they get home, or they're just going to go back to talking to that one person. Whenever they allow that open door to come in for that one person, it puts the lid right back on their life, and it yep. blocks them from all that stuff that God was pouring out initially. And it's the lid because, honestly, at that point, we're saying we have faith in ourselves more than we have faith in God. Yeah. And we obviously, self-faith is never going to get us where we need to be. Mm -hmm. Faith in God, it's, it's our faith that brings us victory. See, we have to have more faith in God than we have in ourselves, or we will be yeah. the lid. Mm -hmm. What we do when we're the lid, too, is it removes God's blessing, mm -hmm. and now we get to receive the world's blessing. Guess yeah. what? We can have whatever else the world has, yeah. but we can never have what God has for us when we're serving anything other than God. We really need to start making decisions and making sure that our relationship with Christ is pure, that there's nothing standing in the way, that everything he's asked for and asked from us, he has, because that is honestly what it needs to look like. He's simply testing what he's placed in our hands has it taken place in our heart. We gotta make sure that we never put that thing where God belongs. I love how 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23 says, it says, for rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And this was talking to King Saul. Look, really what happens when we decide to have an idol, we're saying, God, I'm rejecting you. Mm -hmm. I'm being stubborn to what you have. And it's literally a form of, of, of witchcraft, which is worshiping the devil. It's removing God, putting ourselves at the middle, and worshiping anything outside of God, which is a form of witchcraft. I don't want to see you do that, and I know you don't want to do that either. I, you know what else? I also believe this. I believe you can become your own idol. 
where oh, there'll yeah. be times where you'll believe that God's going to bring you a wife or you'll believe that God's going to, you know, supply your needs for this financial situation. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, if God doesn't come through, then I'm just going to have to fill the gap again. If he doesn't just, provide me with a girlfriend, then I'm going to have to go out and I'm going to have to do it myself. But the Bible says, cursed is anyone who puts their trust in the arm of flesh. You have to have pure faith that God is your supplier. He is El Shaddai. He is the one who is all sufficient for every area of your life, yep. no matter what it is. That means that he's all sufficient to bring you a wife. He's all sufficient to supply for you financially. He's sure. all sufficient for joy, all sufficient for peace, all sufficient for love, all sufficient for life, yep. for health, for well-being, for you, your family, and everyone that you're around. But if you don't believe that, if you believe that in any of those areas that he may not come through, and if he doesn't come through, I'm just going to have to work harder and provide it myself. Whatever your plan B is, that's your real plan A. Because if you have a plan B, it means that you're assuming plan A isn't going to work. And you have to have pure faith that you've removed all idols from before you and that you have a clear path with the throne room of heaven and that God is going to give you everything that he has promised in his word. Yeah, and honestly, it grieves God. Yeah. I don't want to grieve God. I mm -hmm. love oh, Paul when he went to uh, the, the city was Athens. Says, the Bible says he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. Mm -hmm. Look, it should break our heart to see idols in place of God. Yeah. It should, it, because it breaks God's heart. It's literally, say, it's like someone trying to steal your boyfriend or your girlfriend mm -hmm. and them accepting that. It, I don't know if you've ever been cheated on, but that's literally the feeling that God has when we allow idols to get in the way. Yeah. It's not... <laughs> It's, it, it's honestly, it destroys that relationship. But I love Abraham where we started. Because remember, God gave him a big ask. Mm -hmm. God said, I want you to give me your son. I want you to sacrifice your son on the altar. And it's powerful because the Bible doesn't say he thought about it for a month and mm -hmm. he wrestled with the thoughts and he wasn't sure. It says early the next morning, yeah. Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two servants and, and his son Isaac. When he had enough wood cut for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him. Look, mm -hmm. we show that we don't have idols when we're obedient to what God has told us to do. As simple and as point blank as that. If you love somebody, you're going to do what they told you to yeah. do. The Bible says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that's the goal right there. I love God. I don't want to have delayed obedience because that's still disobedience. I don't want partial obedience because that's still disobedience. It's still showing that we don't fully trust him. And there's something else we trust or something else we're chasing after, also known as an idol. And on the fourth day, Abraham looked and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. I think it's powerful because he said, we will worship and we will come back to you, but he was told to kill him. Yeah. He believed that God would even raise him from the dead if he had to sacrifice him. The cool thing is what God has trusted you with, he's not going to remove it from your life if, he, if he's still at the center of your heart. He was literally saying, God, I'm giving it to you. He's still yours. You can still trust me with him. And that's really the, the issue is when God questions you and when he tests you and when he tries to remove these idols, can I tell you, you can still keep your phone when it hasn't taken the place in your heart. You can still keep the person when it hasn't taken the place in your heart. You can still keep these things as we show they haven't taken God's place and we're not serving them, but we're still serving him. And you can see, if you really read this story and you look at the layout of what happened, you can see that this wasn't something in left field that Abraham just decided to have faith like this because it wasn't like his son was yeah. six months old. 
His son wasn't uh, his man. son wasn't six months old. His son wasn't six years old. So if you have a son who's willing to walk with you, knowing what's going to happen, you don't create a son that's willing. You're willing to sacrifice your son, but his son was willing to be sacrificed. Right. You don't get a son like that by just getting faith yeah, one day. I'm you a live a man. lifestyle of faith when you impart it to a generation below you so strongly that they say, I'm willing to be sacrificed if it's truly what God has called for me, for me to have. So you know that Abraham didn't just think like this one day. It wasn't just something that he woke up and decided to do. This was years of dedication to having no idols built up between him and God. Yeah, and I love it because honestly what happens is, you just imagine this. He brings his son, his 30-year-old son, they walk up a mountain, and he puts him on an altar that he built. And his arm is up, about to stab his son, and the angel says, Stop! It's a good example. Stop. I just got tired. Stop. And there was a ram in the thicket. See, it's cool because when God can trust you with what he's given you, mm -hmm. he's going to continue to provide for you. He's going to continue to keep those things in place and in order. And that's the goal. I want to see everybody live with God at the center. There's a song, is Jesus at the center of it all. And honestly, that's the goal. That's the heart. That's the mindset. But when other things take the place of Jesus at the center, that's when it gets absolutely out of control. That's when life starts to fall apart. And that's why God will continually test us with the things he's given us to make sure they haven't taken the place of him in our heart. That way we continue to serve him purely. He continues to have the relationship purely and we can live blessed, highly favored, be the head, not the tail, have the joy that Zach yeah. was taught, have all of those things that God promises happens and is fulfilled when we remove every idol from our hearts. And it's easy to identify when an idol steps into place. Yeah. It's I'm going to give you an easy litmus test for your life and anyone's life around you as to when they set up an idol in any arena of their life. Anytime you see that love starts to repel instead of attract, you know that there's a block in between. Love is always an attractant. It's never a repellent. So anytime that someone's talking to you and they're showing you love in one area, whether it's love about a relationship you have or whether it's love about a sickness or a disease, anytime that someone is expelling love towards you and it's not attracting you in, or if you're expelling love towards someone and it's not attracting them, there's a divide built between them. There is always going to be an attraction to love every single time. So when you start talking to somebody and you're, you normally are able to discuss Jesus with them and have a conversation and show true love to them and it starts causing them to draw away, that's when you know that there's something that has been placed between them and God. It's easy to identify. Just simply ask yourself, God, what is it that you want from me? What is taking mm -hmm. the place of you? Am I serving an idol? Mm -hmm. He'll tell you clearly because he, he's a jealous God. Mm -hmm. He's not a God that wants to share you. He loves you. He's jealous for you. He died for you on the cross. He doesn't want to share you in a relationship. No one wants to share in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And if you ask him, he'll tell you. And I he'll tell you plainly and with I love. I don't believe that that should ever stop no matter what love you oh, get to. No. I still ask God almost daily in prayer, Lord, if there's anything you see in me, that's unpleasing, that I haven't noticed, Remove. burn it out of me now and never allow it to return. Remove it doesn't matter it. how high I get. It doesn't matter what level I attain to. I'll always continue to tell him, if you find anything in me that you believe will be a problem in the future or that is unpleasing in your yeah. sight now, get rid of it now. Yeah, honestly, get rid of it today. And that's, that's our challenge today. It's very simple. What idol is in your heart? What needs to be removed? 
What has taken the place of God? And I promise you, that thing will never fulfill you like God does and God will and like God wants to. That thing is there to steal, kill, destroy what God wants to put into your heart. So my question is very simple. What is it in your heart? Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. Maybe you don't serve Jesus Christ. My question for you today is if you don't, would you like to give your heart to the Lord? Would you like to not only have a Savior, but a Lord, where there's nothing in between, where there's no idol? Look, you can do this even right now. We don't need to be face-to-face, but we can pray together. Jesus Christ left heaven to live on earth for 33-plus years, to die on a cross, to be publicly ridiculed, mocked, beaten, and to die on that cross. It was a horrible death only to raise three days later with the keys of sin and death. Now sin doesn't have dominion or authority over your life. Death doesn't have authority over your life. But when you come to Christ, he now has authority over our lives, and we have a life and life more abundant inside of him. That's the promise of Jesus Christ. The Bible's very clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And if that's you today and you say, I don't serve Jesus, I've been serving an idol, or I've never given my life to the Lord, I want to pray with you right now. We're going to pray and believe that Jesus Christ will come into your heart and you'll live in eternity with him. And every single idol will be removed and every single blockage will be out of the way from today forward. And you'll never look back. At the, things, at the things Jesus has removed, but you only look forward to the things Jesus has in front of you. Go ahead right now, wherever you are, go ahead, bow your head. We're just gonna pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that today I've come to a realization of who you are, a realization of your love. And today I confess my sins. I turn my back on sins. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross, you rose from the grave so that I can have an eternity with you. So Father, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for this new relationship and teach me, help me to grow and to never look back again. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you watch this and you prayed that prayer for the first time or you rededicated, we'd love to hear from you. We want to pray with you. We want to continue to answer questions. We want to make sure you're plugged into a church somewhere because Jesus loves you. We love you. We want to see you saved, set free, and bringing the same message to other people. And that concludes another week of the Uproar Podcast. We want to invite you to share this podcast on all social media platforms and help us spread the good news of the gospel. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast for updates on all of our latest content.